There exists a creature which is perfectly harmless. When it passes before your eyes, you scarcely notice it and forget it again immediately. But as soon as it invisibly gets somehow into your ears, it develops there. It hatches, as it were. And cases have been known where it has penetrated even into the brain and has thriven devastatingly in that organ, like the pneumococci in the dogs that gain entrance through the nose. This creature is one's neighbor. Now, since I've been drifting about alone like this, I've had innumerable neighbors. Neighbors above me and beneath me, neighbors on the right and on the left, sometimes all four kinds at once. I could simply write the history of my neighbors. That would be the work of a lifetime. It's true that it would be, rather, the history of the symptoms of maladies they have generated in me, but this they share with all creatures of this kind, that their presence is demonstrable only through the disturbances they call forth in certain tissues. I have had unpredictable neighbors and very regular ones. I have sat and endeavored to find out the law and of the former, for it was clear that even they had a law. And if the punctual ones stayed out of an evening, I have tried to depict to myself what could have happened to them, and kept my light burning and been as anxious as a young wife. I have had neighbors who were just experiencing hatred, and neighbors who were involved in a passionate love, or I lived through the sudden change of one into the other in the middle of the night, and then, of course, sleep was not to be thought of. Indeed, this led to one to observe that sleep is much less frequent than is supposed. My two Petersburg neighbors, for example, attached little importance to sleep. One of them stood and played the fiddle, and I am sure that as he did he so, he looked across into the over-wakeful houses which never ceased to be brightly lit during those improbable August nights. Of my other neighbor on the right, I know at least that he lay in bed. During my time, indeed, he no longer got up at all. He even had his eyes shut. It could not be said that he slept. He lay and recited long poems, poems by Pushkin and Nekrasov, with the cadence in which children recite when it is demanded of them. And despite the music of my neighbor on the left, it was this fellow, with his poems, who wove himself a cocoon in my brain, and God knows what would have hatched out of it had not the student who occasionally visited him one day mistaken my door. He told me the story of his acquaintance, and it turned out the whole, on the whole to be reassuring. At any rate, it was a literal, unambiguous tale that destroyed the teeming maggots of my conjectures. This petty functionary next door there had one Sunday hit upon the idea of solving a singular problem. He assumed that he was going to live a considerable time, say, another fifty years. The generosity he thus showed toward himself put him in a radiant humor, but now he sought to surpass himself. He reflected that one could change these years into days, hours, minutes, indeed, if one could stand it into seconds, and he calculated and calculated, and a total resulted such as he had never seen before. It made him giddy. He had to recover a little. Time was precious, he had always heard, and he was amazed that a person possessing such, possessing such a quantity was not continually being guarded. How easily he could be stolen, but then his good, almost exuberant humor came back again. He put on his fur coat to look a little broader and more imposing, and presented to himself the whole of this fabulous capital, addressing himself 
a trifle condescendingly. Nikolai Kusmich, he said benevolently, and imagined himself also sitting without the fur coat, thin and miserable on the horsehair sofa. I hope, Nikolai Kusmich, he said, that you will not pride yourself on your wealth. Always remember that is not that that is not the chief thing. There are poor people who are thoroughly respectable. There are even impoverished members of the nobility and generals' daughters who go about peddling things on the streets. And the benefactor cited a number of these other cases known to the whole town. The other Nikolai Kusmich, the one on the horsehair sofa, the recipient of this gift, did not so far, look in the least overbearing, one might safely assume he would be reasonable. He, in fact, altered nothing in his modest, regular mode of living, and he now employed his Sundays in putting his accounts in order. But after a few weeks, it struck him that he was spending an incredible amount. I will retrench, he thought. He rose earlier. He washed less thoroughly. He drank his tea standing. He ran to his office and arrived much too soon. He saved a little time everywhere. But when Sunday came, there was nothing of all this saving. Then he realized that he had been duped. I should never have changed it, he said to himself. How long one can live on just one year? But this... Then, confounded small change, it disappears, one doesn't know how. And then there came an ugly afternoon, which he passed sitting in the corner of the sofa and waiting for the gentleman in the fur coat, from whom he meant to demand the return of his time. He would bolt the door and not allow him to depart unless, until he had produced the amount. In notes, he would say, of ten years, if you prefer, Four notes of ten, and one of five, and the remainder he could keep in the devil's name. Yes, he was ready to present him with the rest, just so that no difficulties should arise. Exasperated, he sat in that horsehair sofa and waited, but the gentleman never came. And he, Nikolai Kusmich, who had so easily seen himself sitting there a few weeks ago, was unable now that he really sat there to picture himself, the other Nikolai Kuzmich, the one in the fur coat, the generous one. Heaven knew what became of him. Probably his his defalcations had been traced, and he was now sitting locked up somewhere. Surely he had not brought misfortune to him alone. Such swindlers always work on a large scale. It occurred to him that there must be some state authority, a kind of time bank where he might exchange part at least of his shabby seconds after all they were genuine he had never heard of such an institution but something of the sort was surely to be found in the directory under t or perhaps it was called bank for time one could easily look under b as a last resort the letter i might be considered too for presumably it would be an imperial institution that would accord with its importance later nikolai kusmich used always to assert that although he was comprehensibly in a very depressed mood he had not been drinking anything on that sunday evening he was therefore perfectly sober when the following incident occurred so far as one can tell at all what did happen then perhaps he had taken a little nap in the corner of his sofa. That was always possible. This short sleep gave him at first the greatest relief. I've been meddling with figures, he said to himself. Now I have no head for figures. It is plain, however, 
that too great importance should not be attached to them. They are, after all, only an arrangement on the part of the state, so to speak, for the sake of order. No one had ever seen them anywhere except on paper. The possibility, for example, of meeting a seven or a twenty-five at a party was excluded. There simply weren't any there. And so, this slight confusion had taken place out of pure absent-mindedness. Time and money, as though the two could not be kept apart. Nikolai Kuzmich almost laughed. It was really excellent thus to have caught on to oneself, and in good time, that was the important thing, in good time. Now it would be different. Time, yes, that was an embarrassing matter, but had this perhaps happened only to him, didn't time go for others too, the way he found out in seconds, even if they didn't know it? Nikolai Kuzmich was not altogether free of malicious joy. Let it, he was just about to think, when something singular happened, he suddenly felt a breath on his face. It blew past his ears. He felt it on his hands. He opened his eyes wide. The window was securely shut. And as he sat there in the dark room with wide open eyes, he began to realize that what he now sensed was actual time passing by. He recognized them concretely, these tiny seconds, all equally tepid, one like the other, but swift, but swift. Heaven knew what else they were planning, that he should be the one whom this befell, he who felt every sort of wind as an insult. Now one would sit there, and the draft would always go on like this, one's whole life long. He foresaw all the neuralgias one would get from it. He was beside himself with rage. He leaped up, but his surprises were not yet at an end. Beneath his feet, as well, there were something like a movement. Not all, or one movement only, but several. Curiously, introsily, interoscillating. He went stiff with terror. Could that be Earth? Certainly, it was the Earth. And the Earth moved, after all. That had been spoken of in school. It had been passed over rather rapidly and later was readily hushed up. It was not held fitting to speak of, but now that he had once become sensitive, he was able to feel this too. Did others feel it? Perhaps, but they did not show it. Probably it did not make any difference to them, these sailor folk, but Nikolai Kuzmich was unquestionably rather delicate in this respect. He avoided even the streetcars. He staggered about in his room as if he were on deck and had to hold on right and left. Unluckily, something else occurred to him about the oblique position of the Earth's axis. No, he could not stand all these movements. He felt wretched. Lie down and keep quiet, he once read somewhere. And since that time, Nikolai Kuzmich had been lying down. He lay and kept his eyes closed, and there were periods, days of easier motion, so to speak, where it was quite bearable. And then he had thought out this with the poems. One would scarcely have believed how it helped when one recited a poem slowly like this, with even stressing of the rhymes, one had, to some degree, something stable on which to keep a steady gaze inwardly. 
Luckily that he knew all these poems, but he had always been specially interested in literature. He did not complain about his state. The student who had longed to, who had long known him, assured me. Only in course of time, an exaggerated admiration had developed in him for those who, like the student, could go about and bear the motion of the earth. I remember this story so accurately because it reassured me uncommonly. I may well say that I have never again had such an agreeable neighbor as this Nikolai Kuzmich, who, who surely would have admired me 